this idea of true feeling facade, it, it really kind of scares me in a way, because I'm not sure how to read that. Hello and welcome back to the Surveysha podcast, where you'll find stories, interviews and discussions about how Jesus is being made known amongst East Asians. And welcome especially to the new Discover series of the Surveysha podcast, where we're giving you the opportunity to learn more about the history, culture and current Christian context of countries throughout East Asia. Today, we're doing a deep dive on a country with 6,852 islands, Over 127 million people, it sits along the Pacific Ring of Fire and is home to ancient warriors known as samurai. It is, of course, Japan. And to learn about Japan, we are joined by Sam. It's great to have you with us, Sam. Perhaps you could tell us who you are and what you do. Hey, everyone. I'm Sam. I am originally from Yorkshire. I used to be a software developer up there, but I now find myself down here in the south doing the OMF media internship position. My interest in Japan, I guess, comes from planning to go on the Surveysia position. I was looking to do that earlier this year, but now with this little thing called coronavirus has stopped me from being able to go out there. So I applied to do the media internship with OMF and I'm looking forward to learning a lot with it. Yeah, it's great to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining. Just to get to know you a little bit better so the audience feels like they can relate to you, um, I'm going to ask you a few quick fire questions, okay? So tea or coffee? I'm a tea person, especially herbal teas like peppermint. Oh, okay. Cats or dogs? Uh, definitely dogs. Definitely dogs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, uh, snow or summer? Uh, I used to be a snow person, but it's definitely summer these days. Okay, interesting. I must have gotten soft in my older age. <laughs> and books or video games? Um, I think books these days, yeah. Okay, yeah. it's a sign of maturity, is it? Um, I don't know about maturity, but I just love a good story. Yeah, who doesn't? Great. Um, So Sam, I wonder, what do you know about Japan already? So yeah, I I know a little bit from a previous trip that I've taken out there, but not that much, I guess, in terms of the culture and the people. Um, I know it's got a mountainous landscape with lots of trees, so it's fairly inhabited in the inside. Uh, People tend to live on cities towards the coastline. They've got excellent technology there, especially compared to Yorkshire, where we have things like Northern Rail. They have the (laughs) excellent bullet train system there. Um, um, One of the favorite things I love is a story about a dog called Hachiko, who is a sign of loyalty over in Japan. He was a dog who would always go to the station to wait for his owner to come back from work. And one day, tragically, his owner um, had an accident at work or became ill. I can't quite remember. But yeah, he, he didn't come back that evening and the dog kept on going back um, to the station to wait for his master. But unfortunately, he passed away. So the dog would always have no one there when he got there. Um, yeah, so it's a tragic story, really, I guess, but one of real loyalty. And they erected a statue in honor of Hachiko because it's such a, I guess, lovely story. Uh-huh. That's quite interesting. A little niche insight into Japanese culture there. Great. So why are you interested in, in learning more about Japan then? Um, Yeah, so like I said, I visited a while ago and the people there were very friendly, uh, very respectable, and I just really got along with them well, I think. So yeah, I definitely got a love for the people during that time. And then in later research, found out that only 0.8% of the population there are followers of Jesus. So it has a real need for 
I guess, workers to go out there. Um, and like I mentioned, I'd like to go out and work with a SurveyAsia team um, to, to get involved in helping out with the gospel sharing in Japan. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, and learning is such a great way to develop that love, that, that passion for the people. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, these skills should hopefully really equip me to be able to interact with them the best way I can and uh, really respect their culture. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So hopefully uh, we can learn a lot as we head over to our Japanese teacher. So today we're joined by Yuya, who is going to teach us more about Japan. Uh, I'm super excited to be joined by you, Yuya. First, I think it might be helpful for the audience to get to know you a little bit. So why don't you tell us about where you're based and what you do? Uh, I'm Yuya uh, in Japan, living in Saitama. That's the north part of Tokyo. And now I work with KGK Kirisoshi Gakuseika. It means Cushion Student Fellowship, that student ministry in Japan. So for, for those of you who don't know, KGK is the Japanese branch of IFES, the International Fellowship for Evangelical Students. And what's your role uh, for KGK, Yuya? I'm responsible for the students in, in the part called Ochanomizu, that's the central part in Japan, and responsible for several universities there. And also I'm uh, responsible for international students in Tokyo and beyond. So you've got kind of global missions on your horizon uh, on a daily basis. Yes, I'm very passionate to mobilize people for the global mission. Yeah, that's my personal agenda in KGK. <laughs> well, it's wonderful to have you with us today, um, and I'm excited to hear what you have to say about Japan. Japan is a much-loved country. It's an increasingly popular tourist destination. It will host the Olympic Games next year. And there's something that fascinates us, particularly in the West, about Japanese culture. So I wonder, Yuya, if you could start off by telling us what are some of the distinctive values of Japanese people and Japan as a country? So when people from overseas come to Japan, like they feel so excited, like, you know, there are a lot of cool stuff here in Japan, like anime and manga and a lot of uh, technological stuff. And also people... People feel excited that like people are so polite, and, like with a smile, and like treat customers as very politely. And but that behind the surface, behind that, there is a culture called we say honne and tatemai. That's in Japanese. Then honne means true feeling, and tatemai means facade, the front of the building, and that that that, that shows that you know at the front of the building, like at, when you meet someone else, like you put a facade, tatemai, so you say things very polite. And but in your uh, true feeling in your heart, uh, you could think and feel anything. And it kind of, it's not a bad thing to <laughs> say things you don't think or feel. It's just politeness. It's considered as politeness yeah, in Japan. And that that's, I think, one of the distinctive cultures in Japan. Yeah, I think uh, it, it, particularly in the UK, people sound a lot more straightforward and are willing perhaps to share uh, what's on their mind. Whereas I guess that wouldn't be the same of, of a Japanese person. Am I right in saying that? Mm, I think so. The reason why like that politeness, that honne and tatemai culture is there in Japan is that uh, we prioritize harmony in the group, harmony 
in the uh, social group we belong to. So the, and the harmony is the highest priority in Japan. So uh, if you say things are provocative, if you say things that are very different and unique them from others, that could cause disharmony, that could cause tension in the group. And that's what uh, we fear yeah, in, in, in Japan. So that's really interesting. And is that the same across the whole of Japan or is uh, there a bit of diversity, a bit of distinction? I think that what I said is uh, particularly true in Tokyo and the Kanto area that's that around Tokyo. And in different parts of Japan, some people are more straight, like there's some diversity in, in, in the culture and there's some spectrum like in, uh, in that directedness and indirectness. So practically, can you just dig into a bit more of, of what that might mean? Yeah, I hear a lot of stories from missionaries like in Japan and also when they uh, invite their friends, Japanese friends to evangelistic events, like Japanese people say with a smile, yes, I'd love to do that. That sounds attractive, wonderful. And on the day, it turns out no one came. And so disappointed and depressed, but they, they told lies or like, you know, they're so upset often, but it's just politeness, you know, like you could, you could never say to a nice people like, no, I don't want to go or I don't want to go religious events, but like they just with a smile say, uh, yes, I'd love to go. And then just, they don't. Oh, okay. So how can, how can you tell then if someone's being, uh, truthful? <laughs> uh, it's really difficult question like sometimes for japanese people it's difficult to tell but mostly you could feel like from the facial expressions or like hesitance when they say you know i'd love to go but mostly yeah it's difficult to tell especially in the public setting okay so they might act differently to within their homes or within a within a trusted community of people perhaps yes okay interesting are there, are there any other distinctive values of Japanese people that, that stand out to you? Uh, yeah. A friend of mine posted uh, about a word, sensei, that's in English, teacher. Uh, and we call uh, mostly everybody teacher, like uh, sensei, sensei. Like if they are politician, we call sensei. If they are pastors, we call sensei. <laughs> and uh, doctors, they're sensei. <laughs> and I think with uh, special, speciality and authority, we call sensei with respect. And it's very difficult for Japanese people to say against sensei. For instance, when I grew up in Japan at schools, I'm a bit like in the classroom, everybody's shy and nobody raises hands. And But I am the one who raises hands on it hi, 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 like I want to say something or <laughs> questions. And so I was a bit different from others. And like I, I, I felt ashamed like later, you know, like I kind of behaved differently. I was shamed in the community because I was standing out. But anyway, uh, it's really difficult to ask questions, even questions, you know, like to or doubt decisions of the leaders. Uh, like you got to follow, you got to uh, listen to what, authority say what the government say what the teacher sensei says and yeah that's another thing so it seems like honor and shame are quite 
uh, key principles that are integrated into Japanese culture, both in the politeness factor and with the respect that people give each other in society. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about the religious context in Japan and how some of those principles might be influenced by religion. So in Japan, the major religions are Shintoism, the Japanese traditional religion, and Buddhism. Both are often mixed up in Japan. Like people, I don't think many people can tell the clear difference between Shintoism and Buddhism is often mixed up. And the other influential religious factor is Confucianism that comes from China. Uh, but like, you know, many people argue if it's religion or not, like some people call it uh, philosophy, some people call it religion. But anyway, Confucianism, I think also deep rooted in Japanese culture. Would you say that most of society is religious rather than secular? And what kind of impact does, does religion have on daily life? People go to shrines in the beginning of the year. They wish their best wishes for that year. And also they celebrate for their growth of their uh, children at sh- shrines and that there are different kinds of festival and uh, local festivals uh, and that religious ones and people often join that in august in summer one of the biggest like festival that come from buddhism and that's related to ancestor worship so they welcome their ancestors and uh, they have a communal party for family and relatives and that's big thing in Japan. I think for younger generation, less and less religious. So there is some expectation that people should be uh, following these practices, but it seems in younger generations that they're more, they're perhaps more reserved. Yeah, and here, here again, that honne and tatemai, like two feeling of a certain culture, comes in at the public sphere or at a family in the communities, you got to do practice anyway, <laughs> like the religious things to respect like elders or respect social rules. And it's considered cultural, like not, not as religious, like it's just cultural thing people say and do stuff. And but in their heart, often, uh, I don't know what, what I'm believing in or I don't care if I believe it or not, but just got to follow. Uh, these things because that if not like that could lead to shame in the community that's really interesting so it seems like japan has quite a unique culture and also quite a pervasive inbuilt culture and i wonder how these values uh, and kind of religious beliefs have been shaped by uh, events in japanese history i think they're so many things I could tell, <laughs> but I think I want to focus on, like you know, as a, as a yeah, as a Christian, like uh, I want to focus that a uh, church history, like mission history, in Japan. Like Christianity came to Japan, uh, 1500s, uh, from, uh through the uh, Catholic missionary, and uh, and five year, like five hundred years, had had passed, and still. We're a very small minority, like depending on statistics, we're less than one, 1% uh, Christians uh, in Japan. Uh, and when first a Catholic missionary came to Japan, that 16th century is called, like even in secular academics, it's called century of Christianity because there is no zero 
cushions uh, before that. And then in that one century, it reached to uh, 200 or th 300 uh, thousands cushions. And depending on statistics, some people say half million or one million. Anyway, there are a large amount of people converted to Christianity, partially because that high, like the respectful culture uh, worked uh, in the uh, mission, like the local rulers at that time, when they converted to Christianity, all his people converted to Christianity. So that's why, like how it increased rapidly. But in the end of the century, the government started persecuting uh, Christians uh, by uh, fearing a uh, rebellious attitude toward the government. And within the century, the same century, it, it became again zero <laughs> in Japan, one of the severest persecutions in the world mission history, like some people say. Okay. So they, they haven't had outside influence for a long time, is that right? Yeah, 200 more than 200 years, it, so the government closed its country in order to stop Christianity from coming in. So definitely that's affecting like Japan, uh, unconsciously maybe, consciously, unconsciously. And even like it opened the country like 250 years-ish later in the mid-1800s, like a lot of Protestant missionaries came to Japan and it, again, increased rapidly uh, in with the support of the uh, atmosphere of the age like people thought anything coming from western is good so christianity spread uh, love it rapidly again there was severe persecution uh, this time uh, the government wanted everyone to worship the emperor as a symbol of japan and to unite the nation uh, and uh, a lot of churches before World War II gave into the uh, emperor worship, and the logic of the government at that time is related to what we talked about on the entertainment culture. In the public, in the community, in the nation, you must practice the emperor worship. But in the church, in your heart, you could practice Jesus worship. That was the logic of the government. So you, you could believe in God, God, your God, you could believe in uh, Jesus, but this Japan is country of Shintoism and emperor worship. So you must worship the emperor in the public sphere. That was the logic and a lot of churches listened to it. So on the one hand, they were willing to kind of accept outside their influence and Christianity. But on the other hand, they were very set very clear guidelines this is how we want Japanese people to be. So it was hard for people to become Christians. Aside from uh, religion, any perhaps more recent events in the 20th century that have uh, shaped Japanese culture. So after World War II, a lot of missionaries came from the US uh, with the US government. They, again, the number of the Christians uh, increased rapidly. So in Japan, there were some waves, you know, increasing number of Christians. And that also uh, correlated with the high rapid uh, rapid growth of economics in Japan. And But when the economics stopped, also the number of the church growth stopped. And uh, since then, it's been 
difficult for Japanese church to to thrive. Uh, and there are some a significant event after World War Two. One is the terrorism of cult called Om Shinrikyo, like that's a sect, and they did a terrorist attack in Tokyo. I think that's the only one we experienced in Japan. And after that, the fear of religion like overwhelmed uh, all the Japanese people. So suddenly, like people、uh, started thinking that like religion is a dangerous thing. And again, after that, like nine. Eleven and all these terrorism arising, people more and more think that religion is a dangerous thing. On the other hand, in two thousand eleven, we experienced the big earthquake. I think one of the largest earthquake in Japan. So even before the earthquake, people started thinking there's limitation of economic growth. So less and less children, and more and more elderly people, and they that hope of society getting better is being lost, unsettled. Yeah, among young people, and then the earthquake hit, and many people started thinking about the meaning of life. So started seeking different things before, like before, like you know, prosperity and economic success、uh, is the only thing we sought for. But after we experienced the earthquake and then several、uh, severe natural disasters, and people started seeking the meaning of life or wondered why we live here or why we could help, how we could help each other. Okay, so you've got fear on the one hand and some and an inquisitiveness on the other hand, and the church has experienced waves of growth and decline throughout、uh, Japanese history since the 16th century. So, what what stage are we at today? What's it like to be a Christian in Japan today? So I I give you the typical Japanese church figure that there are a lot of elderly elderly people in the church and pastor is fifties sixties and seventies and there only few young people left some young families and children. I think that's the typical. Like depending on in Tokyo, there are a lot of、uh, churches that have a lot of young people, but most of the regional areas,、uh, that's the typical figure of the church. So it's kind of we're desperate to、uh, seek the、uh, next generation. The other things are that's what we talked about in the history and also the distinctive culture, home and that mind, public and private, all the things still affecting us. Like、uh, for everyone、uh, in Japanese culture, whether they're at working place or in school or wherever they are, they feel pressures to to be the same as others, and、uh, they feel. Group pressure, family pressure, social pressure,、uh, not to、uh, express their faith openly and professing Christian faith、uh, in public sphere. Like you could believe in again, you know, people say you could believe in your heart, and but you can't、uh, express it in community because that could cause、uh, disharmony. So it's a small church. It's a it's a church with a growing. Age,、um, and there's cultural pressures as well, which、uh, make it hard for Christians to stand out in their families and communities.
I, I wonder uh, from your own experience, can you relate to that, to those, those cultural pressures? Perhaps tell us a story of your experience of those cultural pressures. Yeah, I was born in a Christian family. My parents are Christian and my also father's parents are Christian. So we all go to the same church. It's a very small church in rural area. And there used to be a lot of children uh, with me. But after they entered high school, they stopped coming to church, uh, mostly because of the club activities. Like club activities in high school are very significant part of like high school students in Japan. So like they have uh, activities on Sunday, so they stopped coming to church. And I, I felt lonely, you know, it, I felt like I'm the only one who go to the church in school. And actually, I think I would be the only one I had, I would have been the only one uh, who believes in God in high school. And, you know, everything I hear, I heard uh, in history class or science class or whatever, uh, they say, you know, there's no God, you know, uh, and we do stuff, religious stuff culturally, but there's no God and there's no creator God. That was the message I received. So uh, it was pretty hard for me to uh, keep on believing God in high school. But I think through the difficulties of uh, high school time, I started reading the Bible by myself and started praying by myself. And I grew in my personal faith uh, in Jesus uh, through that difficult times. That's really interesting to hear. Um, just how how different that is from from the UK. Although it feels like in, in many ways we're heading in the same direction. Unfortunately, great. And I, I think that's why people like you who work for KGK and want to inspire the next generation of Christians in Japan are so important. Um, mm. You're the people who are encouraging that next generation, who are supporting uh, Christians who. Uh, new believers who are unsure about how to communicate it with their family and friends and um, you're, you're encouraging them to fix their eyes on Jesus and to live for Christ on a daily basis. So what are uh, some of the greatest needs of the church and how can someone like me who's on the other side of the world get involved and help uh, Japanese Christians and, and the Japanese church? Yeah. So as you said, you know, that community, like like KJK, uh, community is important. When I first entered uni and uh, joined KJK, I was very surprised that, you know, oh, so I'm not the only one who believe in God, you know, who <laughs> believe in Jesus as a young person. And so, so encouraging. And I was uh, so encouraged by my fellow, my friends uh, in KJK. And that's the, not the, not only my experience, but most of the students' experiences. Also, there are many who believe in Jesus. And that experience is especially important for us in the same, in the same culture. You know, there are a lot of, we experience a lot of group pressures. So with the group pressures, uh, we need to fight against as a group <laughs> of believers. <laughs> uh, and also, I think, but as very shame-oriented culture, uh, that pressure could be even dominant in the churches. If we started as a group of grace, of course, as we believe in the grace of Jesus Christ, but easily we slip into the performance-based culture uh, as 
uh, our the cultures around us is always functions in that way. And that strong shame uh, prevent us from uh, sharing our weaknesses and struggles. Uh, these are essential, like to grow as Christians. I mean, the sharing uh, these weaknesses, struggles is essential for us to grow as a Christians. But uh, often when shame operates in the church, we kind of uh, put a face, uh, put mask on face, and uh, that's prevent us from uh, creating authentic community uh, to grow in the grace and to think, uh, to engrave identity in Christ in us, uh, enough to fight against the group pressure, enough to fight against the family pressure, uh, to stand up and stand firm and speak up and boldly proclaim the gospel uh, in uh, in Japan. So I think for those who are from other countries uh, will be able to more clearly see that weaknesses and that kind of uh, disadvantage of the Japanese church. So you could help as uh, as a one from as a one who can look at the culture from outside, like to help create the authentic community and help Japanese Christian to be deeply rooted in identity in Christ uh, and to cast out fear and shame of rejection or uh, this causing disharmony in the community and that would be helpful for Japanese believers. So someone uh, coming from the UK to Japan could have a big impact. Yeah, so when I was in KJK, I met uh, OMF missionary, uh, Rosanne Jones, and I was very helped by her. Like there are a lot of missionaries actually I was helped by. They have different perspectives and different experiences like as a believer in other countries and and sharing these stories and, ah, oh, okay, like I don't have to think in this way, you know, like I don't have to af- be afraid of rejection from my friend that much or I, and that, that kind of different perspective and different stories helped me a lot too. Still, I feel... Uh, a lot of pressures, but hearing from these stories uh, really helped me to grow uh, in the boldness uh, of living as a Christian. So it's almost like coming together as a as a Christian family to support those areas of the world, like Japan, where the churches are smaller and perhaps a minority. Um, how can I pray for Japan? Perhaps do you have any resources um, that might be useful? How would you like prayer individually? I have a very exciting news here. <laughs> so, OMF at Japan, the Pioneers Japan, is publishing the prayer booklet called Beneath the Surface 30 Ways to Pray for Japan. Uh, I think in the UK next year, and it's going to be published in English, but it's will be published in different languages. And, and this is, I read through this prayer booklet, and it's really comprehensive. Reading through uh, this book uh, itself is very encouraging and also ignites you to pray for Japan. Great. 
<laughs> beneath the surface. I'll look out for it when it comes out next year. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today, Yuya, and for teaching us about Japanese culture and history and the current state of Christianity and the church. It's been really eye-opening. I feel like I've learned a lot. And I know it's late there, so thank you for staying, staying awake and for talking so eloquently for us. We'll head back now to our student to see what they've found out. Yeah, so now we're back with our student, Sam, and we're going to spend some time reflecting on what Yuya has kindly shared with us, what we've learned about Japan. So Sam, we're going to see how closely <laughs> you were paying attention to Yuya. Um, I wonder if you could give us your initial reaction to what he said and perhaps uh, some things that stood out to you most. Yeah, so some really good stuff to unpack there. Uh, definitely got a lot to learn on terms of the culture. What stood out to me the most was this idea of true feeling facade. It, it really kind of scares me in a way because I'm not sure how to read that. Uh, having gone over there in the past, like I mentioned, and people were very polite to me and very respectful, I'm kind of wondering now how much of that was just a facade or if it was true. Um, so yeah, I guess learning into how to interact with people based on this this aspect is is quite something. And I think it's quite interesting, really, due to the fact that when he talked about how people might say, yes, I'd really like to do that. And over here in the UK, you'd be like, okay, that's good. They want to come along. And then if someone didn't turn up, you'd consider it quite rude, but that's okay over in Japan. So that's quite yeah. interesting. Yeah, it is really quite a distinctive feature of Japanese culture, particularly as a Westerner, something you really have to pay attention to, I feel. And it's it was striking to me how central that is to Japanese identity, as, as you suggested, yeah. that politeness and harmony are really important factors in particularly in public communities and disharmony is something that needs to be avoided at all costs mm, um, I thought that was really interesting yeah anything else that stood out to you sam so i think in terms of the community aspect that was quite interesting to break down as well we're a lot more of an individualistic society here in the uk so hearing how you can be shamed i guess in your culture and be i guess almost alienated in a, a community is quite interesting to hear about and it can happen over here, but it's a lot less likely that offending someone by being impolite will alienate you from a community entirely. Um, so that was interesting to hear about. And I guess this branches into how it can be difficult to become a Christian in the Japanese culture, just due to the fact that leaving your family uh, is essentially like leaving your community. So if you convert to Christianity, you'll be disobeying their Shintoism rules and leaving behind ancestor worship, which is quite important to the family. So I can see why it's really hard for young people to become a member of a church. And it really speaks to why it's mainly all the older people that you hear about in the Japanese churches, especially among the leadership. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's just heartbreaking to hear about, really, how you can just be so alienated and it makes it so difficult to become a Christian. Yeah, you really picked up on that in his own personal experience of... Uh, the social pressures with most of the country being Shinto and those Confucian ideas running running so deeply and the kind of expectation that if you're Japanese, you'll attend all these uh, religious festivals, you'll visit shrines, even, even in high school. The fact that he was the only student who believed in God mm. was, was quite striking. So there, is, there must be a, a big social pressure uh, for people to come to faith in Jesus. Definitely. 
And I think that really speaks to why it's great that the KGK is doing what it can, because as you mentioned, it was a great blessing to him to be able to be among other Christians and have that sense of community. So I think that shows how important it really was to uh, to have things like the KGK available. Yeah, the organisations like KGK are kind of putting in that community aspects of Japanese culture, which are so important within a Christian sphere, saying it's harmonious to be part of a Christian community. It doesn't have disharmony. It's respectful. Uh, Christian community is loving and, and polite and will accept you in. Um, mm, which yeah. must be so important, especially for young Christians growing up in the country. Yeah, definitely. It really speaks to the sense of Japanese community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, another thing that I was struck by was kind of these waves of church growth throughout Japanese history, mm. particularly this idea of the, the Christian century uh, is quite striking in how Christian converts rose so rapidly and then declined so rapidly as well. Um, what do you think of that? The wave was very interesting to me. I've not actually heard about that before, um, especially the century of Christianity. That's, that's quite a name. And uh, yeah, definitely something that I'd love to see come back again someday. But yeah, this this kind of scale of mass conversion that actually terrified the government is, is quite <laughs> something. Yeah, the fact that they had to close the borders due to fear of their people converting to Christianity. It's, it's quite a powerful movement. And it'd be great to see the Japanese people really take up that love for Jesus again. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I was struck as well by, although the church is small at the moment, there is great potential there because we've seen in the past that the church has has the ability to to grow rapidly and particularly after he was talking about the the recent uh, earthquakes and natural disasters people are no longer just focused on their economic success or prosperity but are asking deeper questions and looking into the meaning of life and as christians mm. that's something that we can we can speak into Oh yeah, definitely. The the church can answer so many of these questions for people. And it's great that they're looking, I guess, into a more spiritual aspect of life now rather than just focusing on prosperity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So great. There's there's a lot of things that uh, Yuya brought up and it was a real, really rich offering from him. I think feel like I've learned a lot and it seems that you've picked up on a number of key things. Oh, definitely. So much to try and apply to my own life. Yeah, so there's so much to go into here. You have shared a lot with us and there's a lot of key aspects of Japanese culture which are really important in how we might be sharing God's love with Japanese people. So Sam, I wonder how learning in this way about Japan and Japanese culture might change the way or shape the way uh, that you share the good news of Jesus with Japanese people. So yeah, there's a lot of important stuff in terms of what Yuya mentions in the shame and honour context of life there. I've been reading a book recently that was suggested to me called The 3D Gospel, and that was a very interesting insight into how to represent the gospel in shame and honour cultures about maybe things that we don't realise in our culture that will stand out quite a lot in other cultures, like in Genesis with uh, Adam and Eve. They had their shame revealed, and that was very important to them, I guess, in terms of exposing how sin works in a shame honour sort of system. Yeah, mm, yeah, definitely. Being, I think being conscientious of a shame honour culture uh, can really shape the way that we go about sharing the good news of Jesus with with uh, people from from a society like that. Yeah, that's a really important aspect of what Yuya was talking about, I think. And also, you must be encouraged because Yuya was saying that there's definitely room for outsiders, for people from the West, to come in and to help particularly young Christians in, in universities to be confident in their faith and to show them that their faith can be deeply rooted and is is part of their identity that they don't need to feel shame as as being a christian definitely yeah so his his comment about how western influence is quite important in the japanese world is it's quite encouraging that i guess i can go over there and have a real impact for god 
um, yeah, that's, that's very important and uh, it's encouraging to hear. Yeah, great. So we've, it feels like we've just uh, dipped our toes into the vast pool of what Japanese culture is like. And, oh, there's uh, so much beneath the surface. Yeah, yeah. about learning about Japan. And uh, I certainly want to continue learning. And there are a number of great resources uh, that we have to point you towards uh, so you can continue learning about Japan as well. So the first thing to mention is the infographics on the OMF website, which have recently been created, which are full of information about Japan and the church context in Japan, uh, a real wonderful pictorial source uh, for all you visual learners out there uh, to continue learning. There are also a couple of really wonderful books about individual stories of sharing God's love with Japanese people, Ultimate Grace by Levi Booth, uh, which is all about how he's used Ultimate Frisbee and the skill that he loves to share the good news of Jesus with Japanese people in Tokyo. Another one is Not So Secret by Graham Orr, which gets really into the intricacies of Japanese culture. Both of those will be linked in the footnotes for this episode. Alternately, you could visit the OMF Japan Facebook page or Instagram feed, which are regularly updated with prayer requests uh, for Japan and the Japanese church. And by praying for Japan, we can continue to learn more as well. So a huge thank you to Sam and for Yuya for joining us on this podcast as we've learned more about Japan. And thank you at home for listening. You can find out more about the Discover series on the OMF website at omf.org slash UK slash resources slash podcast. Or you can search for Survey Asia Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you've got any comments or questions, do please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can either email the uh, UK podcast email at uk.podcast at omfmail.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Surveysia Podcast. Thank you, Sam, for being with us. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks. I've learned a lot and I can't wait to apply it. Great. Goodbye and see you next time. Bye.